Welcome to another episode of Reading the Bible Responsibly. We're continuing to go through the book of Jonah as an example of responsible Bible reading. What does it look like to read through a book of Scripture, see what it has to teach us, see what the correct messages are, look at some of the backgrounds behind it? So we're in chapter 3 in this episode, and in the first few chapters, we saw Jonah run away from God's call and go the exact opposite direction. We saw him get punished. We saw him get thrown overboard. We saw him get swallowed by a fish. We saw him compose a prayer of lament, but of thanksgiving in the belly of a big fish. And now we're in Jonah chapter three, and we're going to see Jonah take another chance at fulfilling God's call. Chapter three begins with words that sound similar to chapter one's beginning. The word of the Lord came to Jonah, but now chapter 3 says it's a second time. So this is just our signal that we're starting over, like God's word is going to come to Jonah another time to give him another chance. And God tells him, go to the great city of Nineveh and proclaim to it the message I give you. And now our scripture tells us Jonah obeyed the word of the Lord and went to Nineveh. Nineveh is described in some interesting ways in Jonah 3. Your translation will say something like, now Nineveh was a very large city. Literally, what it says is Nineveh was a God-big city. Sort of this exaggerated, uh, almost over-the-top term about Nineveh. And it is a large city at the time, but the text says it takes three days to go through it, which that's an interesting claim to make, given what we know about the geography of Nineveh. I think it's just being uh, told us like it's just this huge, massive mammoth city because we're caricaturing Nineveh as like the worst city possible. It's wicked, it's evil, it's huge, it's looming. It's like the epitome of the big, bad, evil empire that Jonah would not want to go to. But he goes there, and a day into his journey, he preaches this message. Forty more days, and Nineveh will be overthrown. That's an interesting message. There's no, if you don't do this, 40 more days and you'll be overthrown. There's no chance of repentance. There's no hope in Jonah's message, but the people in Nineveh read that into it. They still think that maybe they can respond. So this very short sermon, I mean, think about all Jeremiah, for instance, preached and the terrible response he got. So Jonah's sermon is eight words in English. Now, it's going to be different in the original language. It'll be different in what translation you read, but really short. And then this over-the-top response. Look, verse 5 The Ninevites believed God. So Jonah preaches this super simple message with no hope even, no repent or, just 40 more days and you'll be overthrown. The Ninevites believed God. They proclaimed a fast. Everyone puts on sackcloth. It's just cartoonish almost how simple this is. Jonah doesn't want to go. He goes. He preaches a simple message. They repent immediately. And then we see that his warning goes even up to the king. And the king gets up, takes off his robes, covers himself with sackcloth, and sits down. That's a pretty common sequence. You see it in Job. You see it in Ezra. You see it in other places where you, you, know, you tear your clothes, you put on sackcloth, you sit down. And the king then issues this proclamation to all of Nineveh. First of all, he says, don't let people or animals taste anything. Don't let them eat or drink. So, It's not just the people, but the animals are going to fast. Here's another over-the-top thing. 
But instead, the people and animals are going to wear sackcloth, so the the cattle are going to repent, for goodness sake. Let everyone call urgently on God. Now, this is just the generic word for God. It's not Yahweh, Israel's God. But let everyone call on God. Let them give up their evil ways and their violence. And then the king says, who knows? God may yet relent and with compassion turn from his fierce anger so that we will not perish. That's an interesting way to phrase it, isn't it? Who knows God may yet relent? But we see that in other passages. In Amos 5, Amos says, Hate evil, love good, and maintain justice. Perhaps the Lord God will have mercy. Or in Zephaniah chapter 2, Seek righteousness and humility. Perhaps you will be sheltered from God's anger. The other interesting thing here is this phrasing, God may yet relent. Now the word there is, in other cases, translated repent. Now, I understand why the translators don't want to say, God may repent. And in fact, verse 10, it does say, God, again, your translation will say relented, it's repented. I get that it's theologically problematic to translate that repent. Part of that is because we think repent only means something like feeling sorry for your sin, but repent also means changing your mind and doing a different behavior. And there's not necessarily this moral or ethical component to it. And in that case, we could say God relents or repents because he changes his mind and does something different. Similar sentiments about God are expressed in the Old Testament and other places. 1 Samuel 15, 11, God says, I am sorry that I made Saul king. That's the same wording there. I, I repent that I've made Saul king. Jeremiah 26, 13, I will repent of the evil or the disaster that I'm going to bring upon them. So it's not unique here, but it is interesting to think about God relenting or repenting. And again, I understand why that's difficult for us to to talk about. But have you noticed that Jonah's preaching is the most effective thing ever? That's the main thing I'm, I'm drawing from this. Like, he preaches this really simple message, and he doesn't even give them a chance of repentance. But the people hear it, the whole nation, even the livestock, fast, repent, and pray that God might Uh, spare them. And that's what he does. Jonah 3.10, when God saw what they did and how they turned from their evil ways, he relented and did not bring on them the destruction he had threatened. So our takeaway from Jonah 3 is that the biggest, baddest city around has the quickest and most contrite response. Like I said, it's almost cartoonish in how this is portrayed. It's over the top. But wouldn't it be great if Jonah's story ended here? We could celebrate unprecedented success for Jonah. But the story isn't over. Jonah, the preacher, isn't pleased that people have responded to his message. We'll talk about that dynamic in our next episode. I hope that you're finding this series on Jonah helpful. I hope it's giving you some tips for how to read responsibly, how to really pay attention to the language in a text and see what it's teaching us by how it talks about a story. I know we've got some new listeners recently, and I'm really glad you're here. Thank you so much for being here. I'm hopeful that these episodes are helpful to you and that you're able to find ways to share it with friends with whom you also might think they would be helpful. We'll see you next time, and we'll finish our series on reading Jonah responsibly.